Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, happy to be here with you. I know. Hey, Grace. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm so excited to kick this off. Fancy seeing you here. Fancy seeing you. Do you come here often? <laughs> do you? I kind of do. Have a lot of minutes. <laughs> like, I'm planning on it. I've got like yeah. 20 minutes. Isn't that what we agreed? We were going to keep this podcast like a, a quick in and yeah. out 20 yes. minutes. Yes. Maybe 25. I think that, I think it'll be challenging for us, but it's going to be a good challenge because um, it'll be worth the result of a quick, quick podcast. So what we're here to talk about um, is work problems. Mm. Really? That's, that's it. We're answering questions. Problem. Everyone's got them because of the the nature of both of our jobs. We get a lot of inbound work questions um, from friends, things we're speaking on, clients, whatever it is. Um, and we're we're gonna pull up some ones that we think are interesting and talk through them in hopes that it helps who's ever listening. Mm-hmm. What do you do, Grace? Uh, what do I do? What do I do, Rachel? I'm a culture designer. Uh. As we as we, <laughs> you know, what we're still figuring out the wording. It's a cool time. And it is, that's where, that's where I landed for this week. So we'll see if that shifts a little bit. What do you do, Rachel? I back that. I'm a coach. I coach founders and executives in the startup space. So yeah, we know a few things about a few things at work. We think about it a lot. So let's talk about it. We think about it a lot. Okay. So Rachel, our mm. question today, how do you handle a situation when a colleague is remote and their productivity starts to decline? Dun, dun, dun. I feel, would you like me to jump in? I would love, I would love that. Okay. My first question is how do you know that their productivity is declining? Okay, how, how do you actually know? I would really like you to be able to answer that question, right? Are they failing to turn in deliverables on a certain timeline? Are they failing to communicate? Are they slower? What does... Uh, less productive mean to you? And it's important because, you know, for example, I work with a number of technical leaders and technical teams. And, you know, sometimes engineers are on fire and they're making a lot of pull requests and they're producing a lot of code and you can really see and measure their output. And then, you know, every now and then they hit some kind of blocker and it might not look like they're being very productive, but for all you know, their heads down off Slack or Teams or whatever for a day and focusing, right? So I have to first understand how do you know that the person is not being productive? And I'm gonna relate this to a client that I actually currently have who does happen to be a technical leader and who experienced something that is not actually that uncommon in the post-COVID era these days. He actually had a teammate at his current company who they discovered was working multiple jobs, right? Like okay. remote world, mm-hmm. multiple jobs. Okay. This is a it's whole, a- this is a whole different, whole different scenario. It's a whole different scenario. Right. And so I'll tie it back. Right. Because, you know, his thing was, he's now watching another teammate and he's, there are certain things that he's not quite sure he's happy with. And he has this question nagging at the back of his mind. Like, could it be possible that this person also has an extra job and it's happened before? Right. So, um, 
for me, the issue in a lot of cases, not all, but a lot of cases can boil down to trust, trust and communication. It might not always be that the person isn't being productive. It might be that they're communicating poorly or lacking transparency um, or that something else is going on. But you simply can't know that until you've investigated. And so um, a couple of things that I would encourage a leader to um, work through in this scenario is firstly, I would ask them that question is, how do you know they're not being productive? How are you measuring that? How are you experiencing that? Um, can, and if, can we say for uh, argument's sake that this is someone who um, is, let's say, maybe being late, not showing up for meetings, has missed a couple deadlines and is, is just relatively poor at communicating? Oh, 100%. So that feels pretty clearly like a problem, right? That's not you. That's the person. Um, well, in that case, what are you going to do but have a conversation with them, right? And I think, Grace, actually part of what you would have to say about this could be useful, right? Because isn't there mm-hmm. an aspect of culture that comes into place for setting context and agreements so that we would know that the employee was underperforming in that case? First, we have to define what that is. What do you think? Uh-huh. 1,000%. So I love that you took it there. Definition. <clears throat> Definition and clarity are crucial. So for me, the way I talk about culture now is that culture is the operating system of a company. Mm. And so it's really important to be really clear about how you want that system to work. It's really important to be clear about how all the pieces interact, et cetera, et cetera. The metaphor can go. Metaphor? Yeah, right. The metaphor can go on. Analogy? And on. Analogy? Which one is it? It's, but, but I don't know. They both okay. Are. Either or. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say... This is something I think Rachel and I can both attest that we hear a lot. And whether it is, you know, the, the situation you were talking about, Rachel, where maybe it's it's the person who's seeing it, maybe they're projecting something, or whether there is really a performance issue. Remote isolation really leads people to be in some cases, less productive for two reasons. So if they are less productive, if they are less part of the team, I would I would take this two ways. One is they're not feeling like they're part of something bigger. That is an incredible driving force behind a lot of teams. It's actually the reason why a lot of these companies are trying to bring people back in office. Mm-hmm. It, it is because it is a huge driving force behind sort of forward momentum and work, feeling like you're part of something, feeling the the social pressure in some ways of, of being a part, you know, being accountable to people who are sitting around you. The other, the other piece, and this is where you start to go, okay, even if we're going to be remote forever, we can make this work. You have to define for people what success looks like. And I would say, even if you're in office full time, most 98% of people are not being as clear as they could be Mm. about what success looks like to their team. And when you're remote, you have to be 500 times clearer because Mm. so much gets lost in a conversation. Like if you think about the average conversation, you know, that we're having today, Rachel, people are going to take away 30% of it. Mm, So if you think of that in a work context, you have to be so repetitive. You have to be so clear, often have to be quite redundant. Um, and so I would say that this person needs to get really, really clear about what success and productivity to bring that back to, to your phrasing look like for their team. So Mm -hmm. if productivity and success looks like someone showing up to every meeting on time, and that's, I'm, I'm, I'm pro that being a metric of success. If it looks like 
them proactively getting all their work in without being chased for it. I mean, these are basic things, but sometimes you got to put them out there and be explicit. Yeah, 100%. I mean, for me, communication has to be part of that protocol, right? Like if you are not going to make a meeting, how are you communicating that you're not going to be at the meeting? Are you communicating it? Yes, that should be part of the policy. And sometimes those things are not clearly defined. And I think that's where people get into trouble. I still don't necessarily think it means the person isn't being productive. I, what I've run into in my coaching more often is that there's just issues with the work being represented. Um, poorly, right? Through lack of communication. Not saying it doesn't exist. That's just not something that my clients have run into, at least in the recent past. Um, I also get really annoyed with the way we're framing productivity in this remote, not remote world, because there is such an argument in in particular, you get on, you know, the internet, social media in any way, shape or form. People, that's, I think, where the pro remote world lives and like TikTok and Instagram, you know, they're saying we're so much more productive at home. We're so much more productive. And to me, I think that is, there's an element of that is true. If, if there's 12 tasks on the list, list at home, people are knocking off those 12 tasks. Does that make them an amazing employee? Does that make them a well-rounded, integrated employee that's worth the money I pay them? To me, that's a no. That's every business owner. That's every manager's decision. Ooh, well, what would make them a well-rounded employee then? What's that? Well, in my company, it would be being able to um, understand clients, keep bring clients in, um, keep relationships okay. with clients. It would be being really collaborative, utilizing your teammates' resources well. Those are a couple things. Cool. Right on. So what I'm hearing you say is you don't want people to just check off their to-do list, slam the laptop shut and walk away. You want people who are dynamic and engaged and are bringing to the table what they can, right? What they see as possible for the company. 100%. But that's my company. That doesn't have to be every company, but we talk about this in such a binary way as as if every company has the same idea of what productivity is. I hear you. I would 100% run a company where I would allow people to do the absolute minimum especially in meetings. Like I'm in and out, let's get it done. As little laptop time as possible. If you are lazy and smart, <laughs> you can be efficient and figure things out. I think that's fantastic, Great. right? Like Great. we were, I was I reading that. into, I was reading into the um, overemployment movement, right? So this is the start researching this. There's people, I came across a Reddit post one day. Person had something like six screens set up on their desk and on each screen was a different job. <laughs> right. So this this is, it actually turns out this overemployment thing is a whole movement. And um, look, if I'm the employer who's getting the shaft, right, whose teammate is working three other jobs or for whatever reason is not productive in a remote setting. Yeah, of course, that's an issue. Like I need that person to deliver what they say they're going to deliver. That is not an excuse to not do your job. Right. It's it's ethically ambiguous and for a lot of people probably just outright wrong but if somebody were capable of having multiple jobs and doing what I needed them to do and they didn't have a lot of client facing demands or um, urgent or last minute requests that were likely to pop up if they had something that was fairly um, I don't know I don't know what the term would be but they could do it I'm uh, more power to them I'm not even I'm not even oh I mean I think we talked about this last week in a conversation, which was, I believe that 
in a hybrid world where someone, a high performer, someone who's, who's doing their work very well, um, could schedule personal time in the morning and take a nap. Right. Like, I think that's the beauty of a hybrid world and I'm all for that. Cool. But you have to be clear about expectations. And I think the, the, it switches, right? But at that point, the onus is on you as an employee. If you want to really take a lot of flexibility and say you're not in your company, Rachel, where that's just the given, yep. you have to be so proactive about showing I'm mm. here, I'm showing yes. up, my yes. work's getting done. Yes. I completely And I think agree. people feel like, oh, I shouldn't have to do that. That's well, a shame. <laughs> that's going to help you. a lot of trust. Yeah. That will really compound any problems, right, that, that you have. And so let's go back to the, the initial question, which is like, what if there is an issue? What if um, one of my team members is underperforming? Um, I find that it can be challenging for anyone, even those who are in leadership positions, to have the confrontational conversation about it, right? Like nobody, I've, I've, I haven't found anyone yet who relishes a difficult conversation, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people I, I met one person that difficult. They're definitely, they, they exist. I'd like to I invite met one. them to, to reach out to me. I'd like to meet you. It wasn't, it wasn't a good thing. It was it like, they I'm the master. Conversations. Yeah. Yeah. High confrontational people enjoy difficult conversations. Yeah. Um, so anyway, if you're an empathetic leader or a heart centered leader, or you have some of these softer skills as part of your leadership, it might be, it might feel a little tricky for you to navigate the situation. Cause you kind of need to call someone out for, something that they're doing wrong. And you almost feel like you have to villainize this person, shame this person. It's not comfortable. Um, But my advice for anyone in that position would be two things. One, you actually need to address it the moment you notice it, right? Like maybe you need a few um, repetitions of a pattern in order to confirm your instinct that this is something that needs to change. And that's, that's okay. But it's much more effective, in my opinion, to address it with the person when the problem is live, when they've just blown something off, not shown up to a meeting, gone offline for a day, whatever the case may be. Because in that moment, you have the most direct access to that person's emotional state around this, um, how to call it, we don't know what the behavior is, right? So the person could be... uh, it could be a cultural thing. It could be that they don't feel a need to be communicating for some reason or that they live with a different sense of time and don't adhere to their deadlines in the same way as the rest of you know, their culture. It could be that they're procrastinating because they have like crippling perfectionism and fear. It could be that they're disengaged, but we don't know that until we speak to them. And so if you do it in the moment that the problem is live, you have access to the emotional state to understand what's motivating the behavior. And therefore you have enough insight or you can have enough insight to problem solve it and create agreements with the person based on what's actually going on with them, right? Policies will do a lot to set expectations and give you the right and give you the leverage around what you expect to um, change things with that employee. But as for what's going on with that individual, it's a case-by-case basis and you really need to be willing to get curious and to just ask them some open-ended questions that don't have to be accusatory. Like, hey, what's going on? You know, I noticed you've missed a deadline. Um, Can we talk about that? I'd like to hear what happened. Right. Like it's that simple. It doesn't have to be um, a finger pointing kind of thing. And what do you say when people are worried about being on the end of a lot of upset or emotion if they bring up Mm. questions like that? 
you're saying if the employee felt upset about being questioned? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's not really something that I can, uh, I, I don't have a lot of patience for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't like that should be or upset. I mean, say it's like you, like you're opening Pandora's box, you know, uh, so I think say that, okay. So say there's a difficult situation, right? Say there's a complicated emotional situation happening. Then, um, it's, you know, it'd be easy for me to relate because I am a person who has a high amount of empathy, right? Um, even I could see someone being nervous in that conversation, right? Even just receiving questions as open-ended and, you know, gentle as they might be, might be a little bit nerve-wracking, but probably not because they're not delivering. So they don't seem like someone who's particularly sensitive to... Maybe, I don't know. I don't know, Rachel. <laughs> we don't I think know. sometimes, yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Um, but yeah, if a person's having an emotional reaction to conversation, slow down. Listen. Right. Just like take the pedal off and just be with the person in that space for a moment. Um, allow them a few deep breaths so that they can relax and gather themselves. Right. It's not like right them to reconvene. Right. It's not like it's, it's probably no, an Excel report. Like what is, you know? No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And if Unless we're having... talking to surgeons, in which case that's a different podcast. <laughs> totally different. Right. Totally different. There's so many permutations on this particular experience. It's hard to speak to them in a generic like we're just answering a general question, not speaking yeah. to someone. Um, I also think having a play. So I would say if we're OK, we're giving we've talked it through. We're giving a little advice here. From my perspective, having a playbook becomes really mm-hmm. helpful. So yeah. so what I really like about the culture work I do is it depersonalizes culture. So a mm-hmm. lot of times when you're talking about the culture of work and this is how we work and this is how we do things, it can get extremely personal. And then that can Mm -hmm. be impossible to have a conversation because you're talking to something about, you're talking to someone about something that's just this unsaid, assumed, existing dynamic. And that's pretty gnarly to have a conversation about. So what you want to do is have a set of objective criteria that you can then have a conversation about. So as a manager, I would say look at 2023 as an amazing reset moment. So we've sort of all got through 2022. Things are opening up where people are settling in on we're hybrid, hybrid, remote, full time, whatever. Look at 2023 as a chance to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to set a fresh page for how we interact as a team and what's important here. And start small. Start with two to three. Here are three things that are really important to how we work. One is timely. Mm-hmm. The other is, is you know, proactive communication, whatever, whatever your things are. But it's a really great, great chance to do something like that. And then when you have to have conversations, then you're coming from a place of listen. This is objective criteria. Three, there's only three things I, you know, we ask for this team and, and you're, you're missing two of them. So what's going on, yep. man? Yeah, I mean, totally. If you if you don't have the playbook, then I mean, do not pass go. Do not collect right to complain. <laughs> you, don't, you haven't yeah. given anything, anything to perform against. Yeah. What is one what is one rule from your playbook or play from your playbook that you would recommend every remote team have? That's a great question. Um, I think, um, I think I would say, I think there's a lot and I'm very, you know, we're both very much of the mindset that 
every team is different. And so for every mm. team, this is different. I think a definition of what success looks like for your team and you want to get as minute as possible. So if it's, a, you have a team of three, you do it for your team of three and then the wider team of 15 and then the wider team of 50, whatever it is for your team of three, define what success looks like in mm. this team. You are successful. If you have completed all of your reports proactively, in a, in a month and no one has asked for them. If you have brought in blah, blah, blah business, if you have reached, you know, if you have researched these three things without me asking for it, mm -hmm. if you've networked with X amount of people in the industry over the course of the quarter. Mm. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. What, um, how would you recommend Rachel when, when you have clients who are kind of feeling um a block feeling some resistance to having these conversations how do you recommend they well well let's go off of our podcast right how do you recommend they start them where they're not going to slack and say do you have a minute yeah the first thing i do <laughs> the first thing I, I work with them right like that's part of why they work with me is so that i can help them to create change inside their brains that makes it easier for them to approach those difficult conversations with less stress um right but the number one principle is to lead with curiosity and to seek first to understand. And I really think that's kind of the number one principle that greases the wheel in all relationships always and mm -hmm. is shockingly hard to practice because our own defense mechanisms and protection me mechanisms and projections come up, right? So in an example where, you know, for example, someone's just communicating poorly, I'm going to go back to that, like, you know, not, you're not really sure where their work stands and, you know, they may be a little slow on some things. You're obviously going to have a hard time trusting them, but I also want to understand, as in the case of my client, what past experiences have you had where you couldn't trust an employee or trust someone, right? Where you were let down and you might now expect that to be a problem again. Because that is then going to automatically sort of amp up your nervous system, lives inside you as this memory you carry, right? And it will amp up your nervous system and make you have whatever response you have to facing it, right? Which it, it could mean that you go into a conversation aggressively, right? Assuming that the person is really doing wrong and that they are just slacking off when actually the person is having a really difficult time with something in their life. So... Um, lead with curiosity and be curious as well for your own experience and understand what you might be bringing in to color your perspective of what the other person is doing. Love that. Okay. Yeah. What a perfect way to close this out. So, um, we've talked through and our final notes are mm. have a playbook yeah. define what success looks like but have the conversation and when you have the conversation lead with curiosity and do it when it's fresh, do it when it's fresh. Thank you for the reminder. Don't put it off. Yeah. Do it when you oh, have access so to the to true motivation for the behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Mm. Rachel, thank you so much for taking nice. the time. Thank you. This was fun. Should we do yeah. it again? I think so. <laughs> okay. Have a good night. Peace.